Mighty Ape is Australia's entertainment and pop culture superstore. With everything from movies, music, games, toys, books, hobbies and more, Mighty Ape is your one-stop shop for the things that matter most. They constantly have hot deals and exclusive promos. And if you visit their website on the click-through banner on fakechef.net's homepage, then your purchase will help support Good Movie Monday. Mighty Ape, Australia's entertainment and pop culture superstore. I suppose we should probably let people know that we're recording this before the lockdown, not after it or during it. Uh, I don't think it matters. I mean, we're sex friends, so it's okay. <laughs> I, do, I love the term sex friends. <laughs> the bubble, sex bubble buddies. <laughs> we're in a sex bubble. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Morning. Good morning. Good morning. You mean to wish me a good morning? What do you mean that it is a good morning whether I want it or not? You're fucked if you hear that song playing, dude. Yeah. Especially if you're like behind a logging truck. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, sort of walking that, past uh, a construction site. That, I'm sure that that song and that film, I'm sure, has uh, changed traffic patterns around the world. <laughs> no doubt. I wonder if John Denver was listening to that at the moment of impact. Yeah. Well, or was he, ups- was he uh, watching from above, orchestrating <laughs> the, maybe he's death. <laughs> John Denver is death, and he's the. It's his design that has been ruined. But was he seen to himself at the moment he crashed? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course, uh, we're talking about Final Destination, of which that song derives in movie form. <laughs> yes, I should have prefaced that at the start. And, and that song does indeed preempt every grisly death in that damn movie and part two. But I can't remember if it flows onto the rest. But we won't. We just won't talk about the rest. No. <laughs> Mate, what's um, what's the worst death you can think of? The worst death, in general. Yeah. Uh, oh, look, I, I, I think uh, I think it's happened. I think it happened to David Carradine. I was going to say, I thought it happened to you. Like what? No. no. <laughs> Clear. I think, I think. I mean, who doesn't love who doesn't love a, a bit of a, a choke <laughs> at a pool? But if that's <laughs> to get kind of a caught, good way to go, isn't it? I mean, I guess you don't care. No. And I mean, I don't know about you, but I have <laughs> organised with several friends that upon hearing the news of my death, <laughs> they will break into my house and delete my internet search history without looking at it. Like, it's stipulated in the will. <laughs> but there's proof if it's in the will that it exists. No, well, there's, there's, there's proof that my search history is deleted. <laughs> but hopefully there's no proof of the search history. <laughs> Although I have started to notice... On my iPhone, that my iPhone is somehow connected to, uh, like my iPhone Safari is connected to my MacBook's uh, Safari. So when I look at the thing, it's got all the tabs that I have open yeah. on my MacBook. Have t- and I'm like, oh. That's a terrifying a-. thought. Every now and then my nieces steal my phone. Yeah. And they, <laughs> oh God, this is horrifying. That damn cloud. I'm going to have to make sure to quit. Shit. Well, for me, it's like anything from Snowtown, dude. If you ever read up on that, <laughs> fucking hell, no thank you. Yeah. <laughs> What are we, we're what, three spend... minutes into this? I should, I should probably say, hey, everybody. 
You're listening to Good Movie Monday. We are the weekly podcast presented by FakeShamp.net, home of the nerdy cinematic ramblings, and you can find us across social media, wherever you get your podcast from. My name is Glenn Cochran, and because we're playing that damn song, there's a there's a good chance that I'll slip and impale myself on the microphone. And um, across from me is my co-host with the most, Ben Helwig, who might end up with that gas lift from his chair shooting straight up his ass. Hey, mate, how are you? Good. Well, I was a lot better before you mentioned that. <laughs> I mean, to be honest with you, people, I mean, look, you've all seen me on the videos. <laughs> it's painfully obvious that when I die, there's going to be something butt related. <laughs> like, it's the heart, it's, it's either the heart or the butt. Like, that's, I've made up, I've, I've kind of made up my mind about it. I'm okay with it. Like, I've, I've made my peace with it. So it's either the top half of the coffin open uh, or the bottom half. Or the bottom half, that's right. <laughs> Some, something's going to explode. It's either going to be coming in or going out when the when the when the event happens. Uh, I suppose what's the reason for all of this? That's a pretty good question because uh, today we're going to be talking about memorable movie deaths, and later in the show we've got writer director Jeffrey Reddick, who is the uh, he's the creator of Final Destination. He's going to be our guest, and I'll be chatting with him all about his latest film, Don't Look Back, as well as his time at New Line Cinema and. And the Final Destination movies and all kinds of fascinating stuff. So we are super excited about that. And uh, he's a really cool guy. Brilliant conversation. Stick around for it. And uh, luckily, for the for the second time ever, I actually get to chat to someone uh, on the show. Not it's not like you've been keeping me from it. <laughs> <laughs> I have I have uh, skillfully avoided it. The I entire, will be the uh... only one you chat to. Thank you very much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I am actually chatting to. Uh, Leon O'Regan, the head honcho, man with the plan at X Film uh, about his latest release, uh, the Blu-ray of Killing of America, which comes with this phenomenal 84-page booklet that has just about every ad mat ever produced on the film. It's got the Japanese press book, a translation of the Japanese press book. It's got tons of stuff, and it's a, it's a fascinating Brilliant. doco, and it's a fascinating little chat. And there will be uh, a chance to win a copy of it if you keep listening to the show. Uh, that's coming up soon. Of course, our brothers in arms are here for another week. Uh, in a few minutes, you're going to hear from Jarrett Garn from Monster Pictures telling you all about what's hitting home entertainment. And spread out across the show, you'll also hear from Guillermo Troncoso from Screen Realm, Adam Ross from AFCA, and the three guys from Bonehead Weekly. This is going to be a super fun show. And of course, we are supported by Four Pillars Gin, Eagle Entertainment, the Astor Theatre, Umbrella Entertainment, the Lunar Drive-In. In fact, keep an eye on our Instagram because from some of those guys, we are going to have stuff to give away during the week on our social media. Oh, and don't forget, check us out on Letterboxd, where uh, any film that we that gets mentioned on the show appears on that list, so if you're trying to track it down afterwards, you don't have to listen to the show again and try and figure out, you know, what minute did we talk about it? Yeah. You can just jump on there and check it out. Look and at most list. films that we cover are from are on physical media and they therefore they have covers. Yeah, I've decided to not care about that anymore. <laughs> not, like, care about uh, what? not care that uh, if if people can see a movie that I talk about. Like yeah, if I, I saw it, you can that you can find a way. It exists <laughs> Yeah, figure it out. That used to concern me too, and I, I gave up yeah. on that a long time ago. It's like, if I'm going to talk about the Sleepy Hollow made for TV movie with Jeff Goldblum, and the fact that it has never been available on physical media, tough titties. <laughs> hey, you know, actually, I was thinking about it. If one of us does die during this show, it could do great things for our numbers. <laughs> could do, we could we get some really good publicity out of it. Come on, butt, don't let me down. <laughs>
Uh, given that today's theme is inspired by the Final Destination franchise, why don't we take a minute to maybe talk about some of the great deaths that you remember from that franchise? I, I don't know if you can pull any out of the top of your head. Um, I think particularly Part 2 changed the tone of the series for me and turned it into almost like a torture pornish kind of, you know, became the, the bubblegum saw franchise, I yeah. guess is the way you could call it. Uh, I mean, who can forget the logger truck, but there's also the kid that gets flattened by the sheet of glass in Part 2. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. That's pretty good. I do. I do. I think it's part three, funnily enough, where um, Chilean Simmons gets fried in the uh, tanning bed, which I've always like. I mean, it combines my two favorite things, gruesome deaths and a girl in a bikini. Yep. I also love the, uh, that, uh, the scene where the girl um, falls off the bridge. As it's collapsing and gets impaled on the on the sailing ship mast. <laughs> That's right. Like a, there's a, amazing, I mean, there's yeah. a guy getting a big fat factory hook through his jaw and then through his brain. That's nasty. It was a guy gets his intestine sucked out his ass in the in the pool? I, t- I like I love any intestine related death. Yeah, out his ass. Out his ass. <laughs> <laughs> and then oh, the classic. Uh, it might be part three or two. I think it's three where the guy at the drive-through window gets the boat propeller through his yeah. head. <laughs> Glorious stuff. Part two has the the airbag explosion with the pipe going through her head. This is fun stuff. It's just non-stop. It's non-stop polarity. Fire escape through the eyeball. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Any like I love I love I do thanks to Lucio Fulci or Lucio <laughs> Fulci I do love a bit of extreme eye torture. It is. Uh, do you know one what of my like, favorite ways to kill someone? I, I look. I really enjoyed the the Final Destination franchise, but I did become fatigued with it after a while. You know, it was became very Moorish, but. Going back to it, I think it stands up really well as a as like a great horror franchise. Yeah, you know? I mean, but that's what happened when there's what six, six, seven, eight yeah, in the franchise. Yep. Like you do, you do get a bit kind of worn out. Yeah, but then I think they are they are things that you can go back to 10, 11, 12 years later. Yeah. and get a real kick out of because you're not, it's not new yeah like or being presented as new yeah and you're like well this is just a rehash of part yeah. one your expectations are already there yeah. like you know yeah for sure anyway speaking about things that are disgusting here's jared <laughs> hey this is jared and welcome to pe class huge week for home entertainment this week we've got movies coming out on 4k ultra hd blu-ray dvd cats and dogs living together mass hysteria big week for home and so let's kick it off with umbrella entertainment and they're releasing Windrider on Blu-ray. This is a Blu-ray first for the film locally, and it features a brand new 4K restoration. It's also being released as part of Umbrella's Ozblotation Classics line, which means it will have a limited edition slipcover. It also ports all the legacy special features from the previous Umbrella DVD release that includes an audio commentary track with director Vince Monton and screenwriter Everett DeRoche. Then also coming out as part of Umbrella's Beyond Genres line, with a snazzy little slipcover with exclusive artwork from the one and only Simon Sherry is Slither. Now this film has been out from Umbrella before, however it's been long out of print and that previous release was 1080i and this new one is 1080p. It does have all the legacy special features from the previous Umbrella Blu-ray plus of course that new 1080p transfer, that snazzy slipcover with exclusive art from Simon Sherry. So if you're a fan of Slither, this is pretty much an essential purchase in my books. Then also coming out from Umbrella this week is Lowdown Dirty Criminals. You've heard me talk about this film before and that's because Ben and I worked on behind the scenes of the film, the marketing of the movie and even the special features on the DVD. So the DVD's got three featurettes, four shorts and a trailer 
and it's on physical media this week. So, and, and Ben and I get a thank you. Oh no, no, we actually get a credit in this movie for, for obviously having done the behind the scenes EPK and that, which is pretty cool. Uh, so check that one out. It's a charming little Kiwi crime caper. Then Mad Men Entertainment have three back catalogue features coming from director Bong. Now these films have been available before in a box set, but this is the first time they've been released individually. Those films are Barking Dogs Never Bite, Mother, and Memories of Murder. Then, coming out on Blu-ray and DVD is Earwig and the Witch. Now this is the latest feature from Studio Ghibli, and it's their first foray into 3D animation. Then another distributor releasing titles this week on Home End is Roadshow, and they're releasing Greenland on Blu-ray and DVD. This is the Jared Butler apocalyptic disaster movie. The boys were a fan of it. They talked about it the other week. I was a fan of it. You can try before you buy if you've got Amazon Prime. It's free to stream, and I'll probably end up picking it up on Blu-ray myself when it maybe it's sub $8 or so. Then also out from Roadshow is Chaos Walking. It's coming out on 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray and DVD. Haven't seen this one myself. Do want to check it out. Um, the 4K Ultra HD does have a Dolby Atmos track, I'd like to hear it, but I hear the film's rather dull, so I don't know how exciting that track will be, but anyway, that's out this week. Then the last distributor putting titles out on disc this week is ViaVision through their imprint films, and they're releasing The Gambler. Now this is the 74 version with James Kahn, they've also got The Face Behind the Mask, The Chalk Garden, The President's Analyst, Elfie, and that's the original Elfie with Michael Caine and the Essential Film Noir Collection Volume 2. So anyway, that's it for me for this week. So until next time, stay physical. Some good stuff coming out this week, Ben. Uh, and, and for those of you listening, if you like the sound of Studio Ghibli's latest film, Earwig in the uh, Witch, then uh, head over to Stack Magazine and read my review with the director, Goro Miyazaki. Is that the um, animated sequel to Hedwig and the Angry? <laughs> uh, I was waiting for that. <laughs> If there's an obvious, if you're gonna if you're gonna have an obvious joke just floating around in the ether, then uh, you you better believe I'm. Not only make was it. it an obvious, obviously there for the the picking, I almost said it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, thanks heaps to Jarrett for that. You can find him over on the Monster Fest social media pages. So head over and engage with him and um, and sort of support the content he's putting out as well. Ben Greenland coming out on DVD and Blu-ray um, this week. That was a focus film from last week. What are the odds? Yeah. Didn't even. I thought it. it. I thought it. For some reason, I thought it had been out for a while. Also, a quick plug for next week's show. Our special guest will be Paul Murphy, the director of Low Down Dirty Criminals. And um, damn, we've got some good stuff coming up on this show. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm really excited. You're excited. You should feel <laughs> these nipples. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm feel like Big Kev. Oh yes. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited that Bert Newton's got his leg cut off. <laughs> That's horrifying. Because <laughs> he was always on Burt Newton. That's but now Burt Newton's had his leg cut off. He has. Yes. Because of something with his toes or something. Mm. Yeah, the old, uh, you know, whatever happened to Harvey, to Harvey Weinstein's penis has happened to Burt Newton's foot. Have you heard about that? <laughs> you heard about the, what, like they've described. Oh, that's, it's a the, nub. It's a nub. He's got, because he had like a gangrene thing, which kind of, ooh, and he had to have it all. And it, they, some of the women who, you know, were shown it, thought it resembled a vagina. <laughs> it was like a horrible mess. Ooh. Mm, right. It's like a punched lasagna? <laughs> yeah, like a dropped pie. <laughs> Who knows if we'll leave that in. Yeah, I, I <laughs> hope we were going to cut it. <laughs> so, memorable movie deaths. There's lots of them, man. Um, I, look, I managed to get a few written down off the top of my head um, before I had to consult Google because, like, 
There's just so many delicious ones out there. I do find it is one of those, and spe- like, especially if you like horror like we do. Yeah. When, when they're like movies, when you've got movies like The Horde or uh, Dawn of the Dead, when you're like, it's just carnage yeah. nonstop from start to finish. And you're like, how do I just pick one? And then you kind of, I found when I started listing them, more started coming to me. Yeah. So but, what I've done is I've just gone for memorable ones. Ones that sort of, you know, within the, the cinescape of, you know, what we view over the years. The ones that just sort of, whether horror or not, they're the ones that stand out. Some the, of them are very fleeting, the, I can tell you. The ones when you go back to a movie and you can't be bothered watching the whole thing, but you just skip to, <laughs> like, you know, I just want to watch that bit well, again. Well, look, first off the bat, big shout out to Granny Ruth from Dante's Peak who walked through the acid swamp. <laughs> she absolutely did not have to do that, you know. Like, if you watch the film, Land was right beside her. She didn't have to, like, step she's, into acid. She's just like the granny in Johnny da- in Johnny in Donny Darko who has to go repeatedly <laughs> to check the mailbox. That's the second time you've referenced that in as many weeks. In two weeks, yeah. <laughs> it's the only part I remember, and what, the song. What's one you've got there? Uh, well, one of my, <laughs> I, I mentioned it before. One of my favorite deaths uh, is in Zombie Flesh Eaters, the the, the Lucio Fulci film, where uh, <laughs> Olga uh, cut. Carlotta's, I think is how you pronounce her name. She's like the mad doctor's wife on the on the kind of desert island they go to. And of course, in true uh, Giallo fashion, it starts off with her in the shower, <laughs> nude, yeah. because that's what you do when you... And that is how you shower. And that is, yeah, unless you're in Big Brother, that's how you shower. <laughs> and she's in the shower, she gets out of the shower, she hears a noise, and of course, it's a zombie trying to break in. And she rushes over and she's kind of like trying to close the door and the zombie sticks his hand through the door so but she manages to push it shut and all of the zombie's fingers bust open and but don't worry this doesn't affect the zombie at all <laughs> she tries then she tries to um stick a, like a chest of drawers in front of the door to, to block yep. it and while she's doing that the, the zombie kind of punches through mm-hmm. the top part of the door splintering the wood grabs her by the back of the head I know this one. and then just slowly very dramatically pulls her head so that, and you get to see the like the shard of wood go into her eye, yeah, and kind of like tear off part of her face. And she's like, she doesn't actually, it doesn't actually kill her because she's screaming the whole the whole time this is happening. And it goes like it's a like a three or four minute sequence yeah. of just this block of wood, this shard of wood going into her face. It is. Truly magnificent, and, and that is—it's a standout in a film with a lot of awesome uh, nudity-related deaths. Yep, oh, they're glorious. Um, another unnecessary death is the guy who smacks the propeller in Titanic yeah. <laughs> I mean, for no reason. Like that didn't have to be in the film. Like yeah. what maniacal bastard creating that like in post thought? Let's just have this yeah. guy. I'm sure sm- it has a Wellum scream as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Plonk! <laughs> it's glorious. Like you can't unsee it. Yeah. <laughs> what are you? What else you got? I'm going for the short, the sweet. You're going for the short ones. I'm going for the long ones for the for the first couple because I wrote, I wrote a bit on these. So you're the John Holmes motherfucker, and I'm the Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> yeah, that's <All> right. right. <laughs> uh, do you remember Wrong Turn? I do. I, I like. I really like that film. It's a pretty stupid question. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I, I, one of my favorite. De- there's a lot of good deaths in that one. Yeah. But my favorite one is, uh, and I'm going to mispronounce her last name, but Emmanuel uh, uh, Shirk, Churchy, Chikri? 
Chikri? Chik, chik, Shikri. That's how you say it. Shikri. Have you fantasized about that one? Uh, yeah. fet- fetishized? I, believe it or not, I looked it up on the internet to see how to pronounce it and I immediately forgot it. Um, <laughs> but at one point in the film, her and Eliza Dushku and the guy, Desmond Harrington or whatever, they're in like a a forest ranger's watchtower. Yep. Like they're being chased by the three kind of mutant hillbillies. Mm-hmm. And of course, the mutant hillbillies set fire to the tower. So they've got to kind of jump off onto the trees <laughs> and try and escape. And they try and escape through the kind of branches of this tree. Yep. And at one point, Emmanuel gets separated from the other two. And just as she's about to try and cross, an arrow kind of flies up and thunks into the, the branches crossing. So she kind of takes a step back. And that is a huge mistake because, of course, there is another hillbilly with a giant axe yes. kind of behind her. And he chops it like into halfway through her head. Yep. And then it kind of the camera kind of zooms in on her on her eye, and you can see a pupil dilate. And then it kind of as it zooms out, you see the top half of her head is being kept where it is, balanced on the axe. On the axe, yeah. And then you just watch the rest of her body kind of fall down the trees, hitting every branch on the way That's down. Right. It is a magnificent. It's a magnificent death, and it's a magnificently shot death. Yeah, and choreographed almost like the propeller guy from Titanic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, one of the one of the most fun deaths I remember seeing at the cinema where everybody watching just cheered, as we do at horror screenings, has to be the sleeping bag scene from Jason X. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's, I mean, it's not it's not really a death because they're holographic women <laughs> that get done, but it is, and they're like sex, they're like. It's like a sex hologram. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he but... shoves them in the bag, and they're still saying like he's beating them with a stick, and they're like, "Ooh, that feels good." <laughs> it's such a weird, <laughs> and, and then just starts flinging them against a tree. Yeah, and it's just like if if only everybody listening could have seen your face light up when I mentioned that. Like it yeah. is. I mean, like I really do love Jason X. Not only does it have David Cronenberg in it, but <laughs> I was I was a fan of that. Uh, oh, now I can't. It's not Armageddon. It was a TV. Uh, a Canadian kind of produced yep. Andromeda, that's what it's called, sci-fi yeah. TV show yeah, called yeah, Andromeda with one. Kevin Sorbo. Yeah. But all the women from that show, Lexa Doig was one of them. Um, I can't remember who the other one is, but they're all in Jason X. Yeah, right. And they all get killed in like really kind of gruesome ways. And it's just like, this is awesome. It's like the... <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. What, what Have you got another one there? Uh, well, look, one of the most traumatic death scenes that I've ever seen in a film. I wouldn't say I enjoyed it mm-hmm. or it was my favorite, but I was in year seven and I'd kind of gone around to a friend of a friend's house and I had never even heard of the Toxic Avenger, <laughs> but he put it on yes. and I was I was 100% fine with everything until there's that scene in the diner with the blind girl and <laughs> she's got like her, um, her uh, guide dog with her. Uh, oh and God. she's being attacked by the three thugs and the guide dog tries to intervene and <laughs> Floyd <laughs> walks the dog, as he says in the film, <laughs> and blows it away across the room and you get to see like a giant hole in the dog and the blood pumping out and stuff and it was yeah. it was horrible. No one bats an eyelid when the child gets run over by a car and his head pops, but when yeah. the dog gets shot in the diner... <laughs> yeah, you're like, we've all been around annoying kids. I haven't been around an annoying dog. And like... 
boy, like, you know, full credit to Troma because there's so many glorious, memorable deaths throughout the Troma catalogue. But Toxic Avenger, like, even the gym scene when he, the guy. Oh, the, the actual creation of the Toxic yeah. Avenger, that stuff is great. The sit on this hot ass. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> like, it is. Uh, even, like, at the. One of the guys at the diner gets the milkshake yeah. thing put in. Another guy gets stuck in the pizza oven. It's a, it's just a cavalcade it's of awesome. stunning. That's stunning. All right. One more each. Um, just wanted to. Uh, Talk about the gas station scene from Zoolander. That's like a glorious death. Like, is that not one of the great cinematic deaths of it? Like the multi, it's a, it's a mass, it's a mass exodus. It is possibly my favourite scene in that film. And that includes when Hansel takes his underpants off without uh, taking his pants off. Uh, And if you, like, if you've never seen Zoolander, what are you doing listening to this? But like, what are you doing with your life? It's a bunch of um, flamboyant models, you know, airheads, essentially, that decide to... Merman, Dad. (laughs) Decide to... Merman have a bit of a dance at the gas station and start just pumping the petrol <laughs> through the air. Like <laughs> Treat it like it's water. Giant golden shower. Yeah. <laughs> Glorious stuff. Uh, uh, what about you? Got another one? Well, I, it's hard to kind of limit it to just one because every single death in Ricky, the, the story of Ricky O, or is it Ricky O, the Ballad of Ricky, whatever that, whatever that film is, every single death in that is is absolutely amazing. But the best one is that he has a showdown with this guy kind of in the prison. This is all about Ricky's Ricky's sent to prison and yeah. everyone in the prison is trying to kill him. Um, he's having a fight with this guy in the prison yard. And at one point, the guy uh, with his own knife, he uh, disembowels himself and Ricky rushes over to him <laughs> and then he pulls his own intestines out of his stomach and tries to choke Ricky with them. <laughs> it is a truly magnificent uh, scene. And that is... I mean, there's, like I said, like every single death is just like that. Like it is, it is an amazing film if Carnage is what you're into. Oh, yes. And that is Carnage. That is total Carnage. I was going to mention the guy sitting on the toilet in Jurassic Park. That's a pretty good one. <laughs> That's pretty memorable. No, it's not funny. That's not funny, Glenn. No, I don't. <laughs> that is your worst like, possible a, it's scenario. Like a, it's like a ghoulies. Like, why is that? Why is that? Why your is that worst coming out of the toilet. Your worst nightmare is not the dinosaur ripping you in half. It's the walls coming down. Exposing <laughs> you to everybody. You see me on the toilet. Like, <laughs> you've been in here for forty-five minutes. <laughs> no, like, or it'd be like some kind of like a like a slither type slug or something like coming up the, from the from the from the depth of the toilet <laughs> to attack you at your most vulnerable. How do you how do you propose that we segue that into your conversation with Leon? <laughs> why don't we just uh, why don't we just play the Killing of America trailer? <laughs> All right, drop the gun. Drop the gun. Sam Brown was a sidewalk sniper who said he came from outer space on the Starship Enterprise. America the Beautiful has become America the Violent. This is the country that produces an attempted murder every three minutes, a murder victim every 20 minutes, 27,000 murders a year. And the number is growing. No one is safe. But when I saw him there that night, he seemed like a, a saint. Every morning when I get up, I say, oh, I wish that son of a gun were alive. For the first time ever, anywhere, you can see the true face of the evil that is destroying our country. You will meet the new breed of killer. This broad I killed. This broad I've never seen before. They're veterans, honor students, advocates of law and order, 
They will cry. Mama, I killed thee. They will laugh. They will tell you why they have to kill. To shock her with a cold metal, and a week later I murdered my mother. I said, no, it's got to stop. It's got to stop. I just stabbed to death and cut the throat of an innocent young woman as I'm sitting there with a severed head in my hand, talking to it. Every scream, every cry for help, every image of madness is real. No matter how paralyzing the shock. You're the mother. Know the truth and survive the killing of America. Hey, Leon, thanks for uh, chatting with us. First off, I just want to congratulate you on a spectacular release. I mean, not only is the Blu-ray chock full of extras, including commentaries, a completely different cut of the film, interviews, trailers, everything, but the packages you put together with the 84-page booklet, the enamel pin, the VHS and Betamax reissues, it really is a magnificent release. Uh, I wanted to start off by asking you how you first discovered The Killing of America. Well, thanks for saying that, Ben. It's been a long time in production, so I'm glad uh, it's being appreciated. Uh, look, my, my relationship with this film goes back many years. Um, as a teenager, I used to spend a lot of time in the video shop, and I vividly remember renting I Spit on Your Grave in 1997, and we went to a friend's place, and we put the tape in, and we were just gripped by the trailer. Um, and, yeah, when I, when I got home to Albury, that was, like, the first film I had to hunt out, and I found it at Central Video Warehouse, which I still think is one of the all-time greatest video stores that we had in Australia, especially regional Australia, to have a library like that was just amazing. And when that when that shop closed down, I, I bought that tape. I, I still have it. Um, so yeah, I mean, as a teenager, and I you know, still am, I was really into true crime. I was really into exploitation films, weird movies in general, documentaries in a really big way. And this just ticked all the boxes. As I mentioned earlier, the standout of this release really is that 84-page booklet that you've put together. How did you go about finding all the material that you uh, included? Uh, just many years of research. I, you know, as I said, I was, I was a big fan. I am a big fan of the film, and you know, collecting ad mats is a bit of a hobby of mine. And I've just always grabbed bits and pieces for the Killing of America. Um, I got really deep into it um, during the previous research I was doing for my release of Act of Vengeance. Um, since they were both releases on the Palace Explosive label, I dug up a lot of Palace Explosive information and ephemera, and it just sort of ballooned from there. Um, you know, I got in, in touch with Armin Jung in, uh, in, in Germany, and uh, he had an amazing collection of Japanese ephemera. Uh, and from there, it was just a, you know, it just, it just grew. Um, people found out I was putting this out in Europe and they had rare uh, sleeves to send me. Um, it was just great. There was just a lot of people opening up their collections and saying, hey, how about this? So it was amazing discovering uh, through Bryn Tilly that it had had a theatrical run in New Zealand. So being able to include that New Zealand material in there was really important to, to sort of get a, a rounded view of the way the film was handled in this part of the world. Uh, so what was the most surprising thing you discovered about the film while you were collating this information? You just kind of answered, <laughs> just going to answer that. I guess just realizing that it had such a, a wide release, but it really had a massive impact here in Australia. I mean, it ran for three weeks at the Capitol Theatre, uh, you know, did two weeks up in Sydney. Um, and a lot of people saw it. It was a huge hit here on video. Palace, Palace, they reissued it in 1986 
uh, it just kept making money for them. I mean, you know, even in the 90s, there were bootleg copies that were just everywhere. It was such a hit here in Australia. And I'm, I'm not really sure why. Maybe it was the fact that we didn't have a lot of the other Mondo documentaries that came out. We didn't have like, you know, the faces of death here in Australia. So we had The Killing of America instead. The film is as relevant now as it was uh, back in 1981. And it covers a lot of ground. If listeners wanted to deep dive into any particular event discussed in the film, what ones really kind of stood out for you? Well, I mean, for me, I mean, it doesn't get any more like distressing and disturbing than, you know, the Lawrence Bittaker uh, toolbox murders case. Um, other than that, I mean, you know, Los Angeles at the time was just like a, a petri dish of this like horrible behavior. So there's so much in the documentary just like get, get your teeth into the Ted Bundy stuff. I mean, that's just, everyone knows about it now, but I mean, it's just an endlessly fascinating and, and horrible, sad case. Uh, and also that James Hoskins, I mean, this is where I first learned about this guy that, that took a TV station hostage and, and the, the footage is just as, as amazing now as it is back then. Now you actually produced a, a booklet on just specifically on that case, didn't you? Yeah, it was, a, it was a bonus booklet I did uh, during lockdown last year, which went out to record stores and, and a few uh, people that, that bought some bits and pieces from me uh, from the X-Film Big Cartel. I also just sent the remainders out um, with the first couple of days of, of orders. Uh, it was just the thing I, I just had to produce. I, I really got into the narrative of arranging a lot of the, uh, the newspaper articles and archives that I, I'd sort of dug through and putting it all chronologically, you really get a, a, an understanding of the sense of time and... and um, you know, how these sort of cases are remembered years later and, and who actually, what elements uh, the media chooses to pick up on. Now, this isn't the only booklet that you've produced under the X-Film banner. Can you tell us a, a bit about some of the others that you've uh, assembled? Yeah, I mean, I've done, I've always done fanzines. I've been doing fanzines since the 90s. There's like a, I've got a long list of stuff I've worked on, but as far as stuff that accompanies discs, I mean, the Act of Vengeance uh, booklet I did um, was, I guess, sort of put me on the map as far as doing the great booklets go. Um, so that's still available. There's still copies of that are hanging around. Um, I did a booklet on Susan Cabot um, to, um, to accompany the VHS release of The Wasp Woman. And I've done a couple of true crime things as well. So yeah, there's, there's little bits and pieces that are sort of scattered throughout the, the uh, oeuvre of X film. Uh, and there's more in the pipeline too, because I love putting them together. If you're going to pair this documentary with a narrative feature in a double bill, what would that second film be? What would you consider to be the ultimate companion piece? Oh, gee, it'd have to be something, you know, either in the similar tone, like maybe Gerald Cargill's angst or, or Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, or maybe just something, you know, completely lighthearted and fluffy. Maybe like a weekend at Bernie's or something like, like that, or, just to sort of balance things out. Or say Heavenly Bodies, the the movie about two competing aerobic studios. That's right. I mean, <laughs> you could put that up there. Um, you know, Death Spa, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I, I thought a lot often about. I mean, I, I really love documentaries, and I think a great companion piece to this, which really illustrates like a sort of a, a you know a microcosm of the problems that, that America was facing, would have to be Errol Morris's Thin Blue Line, which you know I still find is an incredibly distressing story. Yeah, right. It's a it's a it's a fascinating uh, film that one. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it essentially saved a guy's life. Um, but yeah, when I first saw that, it was a similar feeling to seeing The Killing of America. It's just like, it was chilling. And then Rowan Atkinson went and did a TV series about it. 
No, it did. <laughs> <laughs> it was excellent. So, look, where can people uh, purchase The Killing of America? Well, it's currently not available in stores and I'm really just only selling it via uh, direct to my X-Film Big Cartel. So if you punch in X-Film, E-X-F-I-L-M into uh, Google, it's probably going to be one of the first hits you get. Um, other than that, Diabolic's got a few copies. Um, Damned Media, a new sort of like um, distro has just started up. Uh, he's going to be stocking copies. Um, so there'll be plenty of stuff around, but um, the best way to get it uh, is, is direct from X-Film. And uh, have you got anything, uh, is there anything coming up in the pipeline that you can uh, let us know about yet? Or is it a bit too early to, to, uh, to drop any? Look, I can, I can definitely guarantee that, you know, I'm, I'm working on a bunch more VHS. I can't mention exact titles just yet, but I've got a, a slew in the works. I'm working on a couple of discs as well. But, you know, again, I really can't let the cat out of the bag just yet. Cool. All right, and just before we go, mate, uh, can you tell us what is your favourite movie death scene oh man this this changes uh frequently but i gotta say there's a very very memorable one in a 1984 movie called furious by a guy called tim everett which is a an insane film in itself uh hong kong american co-production there's a scene where a guy is shooting fireballs out of his hands and he shoots one into a mirror turns into a pig gives a ridiculous uh dying speech and then dies with the sound of a fart <laughs> this has like, to be seen to be believed i kid you it's like my kind of movie the furious the furious i have to check it out all right thanks mate cheers ben you <laughs> you've always got to get heavenly bodies in there don't you i just think it's a film that deserves to be known <laughs> Well, you, you're doing a good job of making that happen. I can tell you. Hey, that was awesome, dude. That that was a great chat. It was. Uh, it was really. Uh, it was really good to chat with Leon. Like I've known Leon for years. We actually worked together on on uh, a couple of VHS releases back in the kind of early days of re-releases with um, Gun for George and Eurocrime. We did and uh, Manborg. Uh, back when when we ran Say Hello Apocalypse mm. together, but just as just as I was getting uh, tired of that, he uh, was <laughs> getting more into it and started X Film, <laughs> so it worked out really well. Yes, and um, we are of course giving away a copy of Killing of America. How do people go about this one? Well, all they have to do is answer a simple question, and that is, Killing of America was one of the first three Palace Explosive VHS releases. Name either of the other two. It's pretty obvious if you know anything about um, Palace Explosive label. If not, well, then you got to use Google and uh, a bit of nouse. Uh, email your answers to giveaways at fakeshemp.net. That's giveaways <laughs> at fakeshemp.net. And uh, we will announce the winner on next week's show. Mate, anyone would think you're a podcast host. <laughs> I've got the fake game show voice down, Pat. <laughs> That's right, Glenn. What's happening, everybody? It's Guillermo here again from ScreenRealm.com, Australia's favorite entertainment website covering all things movies and television. When we are up, that is, because we had a uh, cyber attack and uh, the site was down for like uh, a week and a half or something like that. And uh, yeah. Anyway, the site's back up and running now, so let's talk a little bit about what's been going on in the screen world in the past week. Kicking off with a new Evil Dead movie. A new Evil Dead movie is in the works for Warner Media streaming service HBO Max. 
Evil Dead Rise is to be directed and written by Irish filmmaker Lee Cronin and will be starring Elisa Sutherland and Lily Sullivan. This will be the second feature for director Cronin, who directed the well-received 2019 chiller The Hole in the Ground. Sam Raimi will be executive producing the film and original star Bruce Campbell will also be executive producing but will not be starring. Evil Dead Rise will be taking the action out of the woods and into the city, Deadline reports. The plot will be telling the tale of two estranged sisters whose reunion is cut short by the rise of flesh-possessing demons thrusting them into a primal battle for survival as they face the most nightmarish version of family imaginable. Godzilla and Kick-Ass star Aaron Taylor-Johnson has been cast in the role of Kraven the Hunter, an upcoming Spider-Man universe film from Sony. For those of you who don't know, Kraven is one of Marvel's anti-hero characters. He's had encounters with Venom, Black Panther, among many others. Now, the film is to be directed by JC Chandor, who's making a change of pace here following credits like Margin Call, uh, All Is Lost, A Most Violent Year, and 2019's Triple Frontier. As of now, Craven the Hunter is set for US release on January 13th, 2023. And Anna Kendrick is set to star in a Netflix film about a woman who went on a popular TV game show known as The Dating Game and chose her man who happened to be a serial killer who is believed to have ended up killing around 130 people. The film is going to revolve around the events of the game show, which in 1978 saw Cheryl Bradshaw, played by Anna Kendrick, go on the show where they asked potential dates a bunch of questions. Turns out this guy was a serial killer, she was supposed to go on a chaperone date with him and decided not to because she was put off by his odd vibe. Thank goodness for that. In 1980 he was sentenced to death but his execution was postponed in 2019 after a moratorium on the death penalty was declared in California. He's currently still rotting in prison. That about does it for me guys, be sure to go to ScreenRealm.com which is back up and running and the next episode of the Loud Observers podcast which I run with my wife is up Loud Observers on YouTube. Hang out with us as we get drunk for around an hour. That about does it for me guys, I'm out of here.
<laughs> Huey Lewis in the news providing the soundtrack there, or should I say Ben Hellwig? The soundtrack of my life. <laughs> that is one of the great all-time movie kills. It is t- totally. Like I just love the, my favorite part about that kill is that he has the foresight to put the plastic sheeting down and where the I was like never thought of that. Oh, and when why wouldn't you? And when Jared Leto says, "Is that a raincoat you're wearing?" He goes, "Why, yes, <laughs> it is." <laughs> And then he just plants that axe gloriously, firmly into Jared Leto's face. Which, I, I mean, who hasn't wanted to do? <laughs> who hasn't wanted to do that? The impact. Like, you don't see it, but you hear it. And it's yeah. the folly on that is... Oh. Although, funnily enough, I don't think that's the most magnificent kill in that film. It is a great kill. Yeah. But when he drops the chainsaw <laughs> yeah. down the stairwell... He starts to, like, like circle it with his yeah. hand first before he drops it. <laughs> You know, it's an amazing film. Uh, yes, and of course, before the song was Guillermo from Screen Realm, visit ScreenRealm.com for their brand of movie news, reviews, articles, and giveaways as well. They do giveaways too, you know? Do they? Yes. But are they giving away a copy of Killing of America? I don't think so. <laughs> no. you got to come here for that shiz. You do. <laughs> anyway, uh, that actually brings us to my turn. This is my turn to talk to somebody. So, Jeffrey Reddick, as I said at the start of the show, this is the guy who created the Final Destination series. He rose up through New Line Cinema, as you're about to hear, and he produced movies like Tamara, Dead Awake, and Final Wish. He's one of the nice guys of the film industry, uh, a guy who lives and breathes horror. And um, he was only too keen to sit down and chat with me, which always... I really like Tamara. I think that's a great horror film. And I did, I did enjoy this interview. Yes, excellent. You, you've heard it already, yeah, of course you have. <laughs> I, was, I was there, you... <laughs> just silently on the Zoom. <laughs> That's right. Fapping away. Yeah. <laughs> Jeffrey Riddick, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. How about you, Glenn? I'm doing very well. I, thanks for taking the time to sit down and chat with me. Of course. No, I'm so excited. Um, I want to steal all your background <laughs> posters, and I want your Stormtrooper. <laughs> Uh, it's actually pretty cheap (laughs) um hey look even though your your new film is um it's called don't look back i'd like to quickly look back if i can just to give our our (laughs) listeners a little bit of context to your work some people down here might not know your work but um you are of course best known as you know one of the creators or the creator of the final destination uh franchise um, and as a writer and or producer, you also lay claim to movies like Tamara and Dead Awake and The Call, amongst others. Now, firstly, you're pretty much the reason why a lot of us avoid um, trucks when we're on the road. Trucks, you know? trucks. I knew you were going to yeah. say that in planes. Yes. Um, and I look at it like I've saved lives, maybe, um, as opposed <laughs> to traumatizing people. Um, but that idea came when we were doing the second movie, we were trying to think of a good opening. And I, I'm from Kentucky, which is like hill country here in America. And um, I, there's always log trucks. And I'm every time I get behind one, I pull in, into the next lane. And I we couldn't figure out the right opening. Um, originally, it was going to be a hotel fire. And the producer's like, no, it needs to be something a little bit stronger. And I got behind a log truck and I pulled over. And then I just pulled off the road and I called the producer. And I'm like, what about a lot? And he's like, slow down. I can't <laughs> understand. I'm like... Well, what about a log truck on a freeway and the chain breaks and he's like, that's it. And, um, yeah. so it was, it's, that's one of the best parts of, of working with creative people and, you know, just being, you know, cause stuff in life just influences you. And that's the biggest, you know, that's the scene that most people, I still get log truck memes and they're like, we're, 
sure you're sick of getting this. I was like, no, they feed my soul. Send me more. <laughs> as long as no one was hurt. As long as no one was hurt in an accident. I don't want to hear about actual people getting hurt, but you can send me all the other memes you want. <laughs> uh, well, I, I live on like a, a, a logging highway, so I think about your work every day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in your brain. <laughs> you are. And, and speaking of Kentucky, um, our show has a close connection with Kentucky because the Bonehead Weekly Podcast are weekly contributors to our show. They, are, oh, they wow. do a short segment, and you were actually on their, one of their episodes about a year yes. ago. And the thing is, aside from that interview, I've avoided pretty much every other piece of media of you in lead up to this interview because I wanted to come into it as fresh as possible. Oh. Having having said that, I am sure you get asked the same shit all the time. So I apologize if that's... Oh, don't apologize. I don't, yeah, no, I don't care. <laughs> Ask me whatever okay. you want. <laughs> in that case, how reliable is Wikipedia or IMDB in telling your story of how you got involved with Bob Shea and New Line? Um, it's spot on. Yeah. Um, it's a pretty fun. Do you want me to tell it? <laughs> yeah, go for it. Go for oh, it. Oh yeah. No, it's, it's, it's absolutely accurate. Um, when I was 14, I saw the first Nightmare on Elm Street movie and it's still my favorite movie today, but, um, I went home, you know, I was a little hillbilly, didn't know anything about the movie business and I banged out a prequel and it was bad looking back because I was 14, mm-hmm. but I s- sent it to Bob Shea who ran New Line Cinema and he sent it back because it w- he said, we don't take unsolicited work. And I didn't know what unsolicited meant because I was only 14. So I had to look it up. But then I wrote him back and I'm like, look, sir, I've spent $3 on your movies. I think you can take five minutes to read my story. And he actually read it and he got back in touch with me. And after that, him and his assistant, Joy Mann, who isn't with us any longer, unfortunately, but wonderful woman, they stayed in touch with me from age 14 to 19. They would send me scripts, you know, so I got to read scripts and learn formatting and learn structure. They'd send me posters and like, you know, little trinkets and tchotchkes from movies. And then when I was 19, I went to New York to study acting and I ended up interning at New Line Cinema. Um, Joy and Bob brought me on as an intern and I just stayed. <laughs> I just didn't leave. Um, That's amazing. So. That that right there alone will instantly catch the attention of our listeners, I'm sure. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's a great story. And it, it, I think it happened at the right time too, because New Line was... Nightmare on Elm Street blew New Line up, but they were still small enough that Bob would take the time out of his schedule to like respond to somebody, you know, with a letter. Um, I keep sometimes when I tell that story, I say email just because I keep forgetting um, that we did. (laughs) (laughs) Well, a lot of uh, a lot of fans call New Line the house that Freddie built. Is that something that was that like a moniker they had? Yeah, I mean they they knew it. I mean Freddie. The, the thing is, Bob had, had worked really hard to build New Line, but he took a chance on Nightmare on Elm Street because, you know, every other studio passed on it and it became a huge hit for them. So once once they got a few sequels in and started building their capital, then they started making other like amazing movies. But um, New Line, you know, Bob was very, you know, reverential to how important Nightmare on Elm Street was to the company. And and yeah, even in-house, they would call it the house that Freddie built. So it wasn't. Yeah. It, you know, everybody knows, you know, That's knew fantastic. how important. That's yeah. fantastic. So I wanted to get that out of the way, just, you know, for people to listen in that might not know your name, now they know who you are. So that's good. And um, that brings me to Don't Look Back. So you adapted this from a short film that you had made um, called Good Samaritan. Um, can you give our listeners a brief rundown of what the film is about? Yeah. Um, the film is about a group of people who witness somebody getting assaulted 
in a park and don't help. And one of the people films it and, and it goes viral. And then somebody or something starts coming after the witnesses. And it's more, it's, it, you know, I love horror is like my jam. Straight up horror is my jam. Everything I do is straight up horror. But this was the first film that I wrote where I wanted to play with it, making it more of a mystery, you know, like, so you don't know if it's a killer. Um, so it's more of a mystery than a straight up horror film. Um, and I only say that because a lot of fans going in expecting Final Destination and like, you know, the gruesome set pieces and stuff. Because we don't know who or what the killer is, there's not a lot of gruesome, uh, awesome deaths in it. There's some cool, cool twists and turns. But, um, but yeah, it was a really fun project to make. Um, I actually took the character from the film who shot the video and wrote a different story for him for the short film, Good Samaritan. So you can find this short on online. But with the short, I went straight up supernatural. Um, this isn't spoiling the movie because I, it's not spoiling it either anything. But I wanted to just show that I could direct horror because people were like, we need to see something. Um, so I, I went with a complete supernatural. So if you watch that first, don't expect that to be the movie <laughs> because it's, it, it's not the movie, but it's a really fun short. Yeah, and, sure. um, and I got, um, you know, Rain Wilson's in it, but I think the happiest that I am is that I got Jane, I, I can't, you may not be old enough, um, but Jane Badler, who was in the original V miniseries, who played Diana, the evil lizard. Um, she's like, she's like my, V is like my TV, like <laughs> thing and Nightmare on Elm Street's like my movie thing. Um, and I reached out to her and she lives in Australia. She lives in Australia. And, um, and um, asked her if she would be in the short. And she's like, I'll do it. You don't have to pay me. It was only a couple of lines. And, but she's like, I'm in Australia. So you'll have to get somebody. So I found somebody to shoot her. And she, for, for just like a line or two, she sent me back so many takes at so many different locations. I'm like, with outfit changes, she was so amazing. And um, we've become friends since then. And, um, but yeah, she, she lives there now and um, she's just wonderful. So I geek out about her being in the short. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's, that's fantastic. I love it when you, you get to work with these people that you've idolized for so long. And, yeah, um, and, yeah. And you mentioned that Rain Wilson is in it. He reprises his role from the short. Was that new footage in the film? Um, we, we used his footage from the short in the film. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we had to ask, you know, we got permission from it. He, t he told us that we could do it. So um and, and it just really helped you know because it fits it still fits the story um and i didn't want to try to have to arrange like reshooting him just for the you know for the part that he has in the film which is you know kind of a newscaster talking about what happened um well if that's the case like that's really impressive because i think you've used a lot of footage that wasn't in the short you could you know you can say that it's sort of it is new because i i've watched both and i remember things that were in the film were not necessarily in the short. So yeah. perhaps it was just, you know, different angles or, but I'm pretty sure it was dialogue no. as well. Yeah. yeah. We and, just used and that, brain footage. Yeah. Yeah. And, and his, um, and his footage was shot meticulously as well. It's really like pops. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it was, um, he's a, he's a, somebody who I also, you know, I hate saying friend because then it sounds like I'm a douchebag, but <laughs> I'm not trying to be respect, but he's a friend of mine too. And he's, he's, he was just so gracious to work with and he's just such an awesome guy too. So, um, he was actually you know. in one of the, one of the movies that Bob Shea directed the last Mimsy. Is that sort of how you knew him yeah. through Bob? 
Uh, no, I know him. Um, we're both Baha'is, so we we go to the same. We we don't have like technical church, but we basically go to the same church. So I met him through that through church first um, before I knew he was Rain Wilson because um, I didn't watch The Office. I have watched it since once I once I knew he met him and knew he was in it, but I didn't watch it at the beginning. So um, he's just a really good guy, and um, so it was great to have him be in the short. I mean, be in the feature. Um, but you know what was really exciting too is because we we had gone the studio route and then the, the studio that was going to film it shut their film division down like a week before we were starting to we were supposed to fly down to start pre-production so the producer on it just decided that we let's just do this independent because if we you know we can wait you know we you can wait in the studio system for ever <laughs> so we shot it on a on a on a very low budget and um i was able to kind of cast people that I wanted to cast. So I was really particularly excited about, you know, casting Courtney Bell as Caitlin in the film. Um, I had a hard time at a bigger budget level because they didn't want me casting a woman of color in the lead. And I thought she was the best actress. And it's like, you know, I got to cast her. And I think she's amazing in the film. I think we have a great cast all the way around. I mean, I love all of our cast, but, you know, just as a filmmaker who's who's been trying since since the first Final Destination to get some diversity in the movies that they keep making that I write. Um, it was very nice just to be able to have a, you know, a really strong black female character, you know, in a genre film. Absolutely. And on top of that, I think the, the thing that really uh, resonated with me the most watching it was that it is a social commentary on where we've come to as a society, uh, especially with the social media landscape and all that. Um, and I think the sticking point of the film for me is that it kind of, turns the story on the viewer and sort of has us questioning what we would do in those situations you know yeah. how long had, how long had that idea been with you where did the where did the seed come from um the seed came from this story about a woman named kitty genovese um who in new york i think it was new york um she was assaulted in her the courtyard of her apartment and the story at the time was that you know, 23 people like watching her. It was a horrific assault. It lasted for a long time. The killer went away, came back, then assaulted her again and killed her. Um, so that story has always stuck with me. Um, and I've been in a couple of situations where one time I butted my nose into a guy who was like screaming and it was about to smack his girlfriend. And I intervened and he kicked me in the nuts, which was a really manly thing to do. Um, but, you know, I think we've all been in situations where we wondered, you know, can I help? And, and, and it's not like I expect people to put themselves in je physical jeopardy, but I think what's happened, like you said, with social media is people's first instinct now is to start recording it. Like, and they have a phone, they don't call 911 and then record it. They just start recording. And that's where, that's where, you know, I think this has gotten more relevant over the years because it's, it's just a weird commentary on where we are as a society where I think it's, we're, a lot of people, it's not everybody, but your first instinct is to record as opposed to call 911, you know, and get help. And, yep. you know, it's, there's this kind of search for, and this movie, the movie, this movie doesn't get into that angle of it, but there, I think there's a search for like, I want to become, I want something to go viral. So I'm going to record whatever I can find that's awful that I think will go viral. Um, and we've lost, I think we have lost empathy. People have just lost empathy for each other. Um, 
Yeah, couldn't you agree know. more. I think your, your film is sort of hit at the right time. Yeah. Um, and and with that, I think you know, like it is just an interesting concept within itself. But for fans of you know genre, it's it's not that far removed from Final Destination and some of those classic you know eighties and nineties slashes. Did you have it in mind to sort of follow that structure, or was that just something that, that you were led to naturally? Um, I didn't do it on purpose. Uh, but if you have a group of people, it, something happens to a group of people, and then something or someone starts coming after them, it's going to get compared to Final Destination. Um, so I, I, tr- I tried, and there's one scene where I have a character backing up towards the street that I was going to pay an homage to, because I knew people were going to go in expecting Final Destination, where you think maybe a bus is going to hit the character, but it, it di- I, I didn't edit it that way. I was like, ah, I don't, you know, if, I'm, if I can't live up to Final Destination, and I'm not trying to, I don't want to <laughs> get Final Destination in too many people's heads. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, Jeffrey, look, all all good things must come to an end. We are just about out of time, but I could chat with you for ages about all things horror and your work. And, and I'm always around, so you can always you can reach Excellent. out. Yeah. Excellent. Um, the, the movie is Don't Look Back, and it is released through our good friends in Australia through Eagle Entertainment. And uh, for people listening and uh, and even watching, uh, there are copies to be won on our social media pages. So uh, over the next few days, keep your eyes on that. But for now, thanks so much for hanging out, yeah. mate. It's been real fun. Of course. Of course. Thank you, Glenn. Such a nice guy, Ben. What so a lovely good. what a lovely chap. Absolutely. And his new film, Don't Look Back, is available this week through Eagle Entertainment. If you pay attention to our Facebook and Instagram pages this week, there are copies to be won. So keep your eyes out there. I actually reckon that Jeffrey's going to be listening to this show. So big shout out to him. G'day, Jeffrey. Much love. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you for doing the show. I loved listening to you talk. <laughs> I love listening to you fap, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very discreet. I like to think of myself as very discreet, but uh, I guess you'd have to ask people walking past my bedroom door if that is actually the case. You don't hear yourself. You can't hear yourself. You have too much blood rushing in your ears. It's the whole tree in the forest thing. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Oh, well. (laughs) If a guy jerks off in his room, if no one's there to hear it, does he really come? There is no way to segue to the Bonehead Weekly after that. (laughs) Welcome to Bonehead Weekly Fun Size. Guys, this is one of the first times where we got the scoop on Glenn. He has Jeffrey... Well, what else do you want me to say? He's got Jeffrey Reddick. We've already done Jeffrey Reddick. We have. Am I supposed to phrase it that way? No. See, I was telling Glenn, he's like, I've got Jeffrey Reddick, you know, the man who wrote Final Destination. And I was like, listen here, fucker. We've already had him on the show. We've already met him. And he's from the same place we are. Glenn, but don't hold that against him. But don't hold that against him. Uh, he's like, haha, Glenn. If you don't know, Glenn's helped us get a few people on before. But Jeff Reddick wrote Final Destination. What I want to say is, other than he's a really great guest, a really great guy, is that you really should check out Don't Look Back. It's a thriller he did back in, oh, 2020, just last year that came out. So check out Don't Look Back. Who's yeah. next? And I'm going to go ahead and give a preview for upcoming stuff because this actually hasn't been released. Jeffrey Reddick is a great filmmaker. However, the project that I'm most excited about hasn't been released yet, and that is the Samurai Chronicles, or, or uh, 
sorry uh the samurai the samurai <laughs> rabbit you don't know i forgot I screwed up the title the samurai rabbit the usagi chronicles all about usagi ujimbo uh one of the greatest uh, samurai rabbit comic book characters ever created a lot of us know him. there's 25 samurai yeah. rabbit comic book characters a lot of us were introduced to him in the 80s uh teenage mutant ninja turtles uh cartoon but his character actually is really amazing if you don't know the comic book history behind it and i am really excited that jeffrey reddick of all people gets to bring that to uh netflix uh for me to stream and look forward to more than anything james what do you got and he's got two children he looks forward to the more than that keep going i I just want to know when we're going to finally see the prequel the 10 page prequel he wrote for uh, nightmare on elm street when's that coming out i don't know he wrote it, what, at 14? I mean, isn't it about time we see that published somewhere? I think it's time he releases that on the rest of us. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, do we need to get that trending? Hashtag release the uh, Reddit cut. <laughs> release the Reddit cut. Or the Reddit, well, I don't know, what are you, you going to say? The Reddit pitch. Release yeah. the Reddit pitch. I, I, I do. I want to see it. I want to know what it was about. I want to see where it was going. I'm all for that. I think actually we need to share more stuff like that and show kids, hey, you can start here and end up here. I think we should see it. That's absolutely correct. Jeff, thank you so much for representing Kentucky in the best possible way. We really appreciate it. Agreed. Yes. Thank you. Absolutely. And for just going out there and chasing your dream and being successful. So we're going to stop the kiss ass note because we've already kissed your ass last year for a while. You don't need any more of this. You saw he's amazing. Ah! This has been Bonehead Weekly Fun Size. Nah. Check out our Bonehead Weekly episode with Jeffrey Reddick. Ah, there you go. There they are. You can find the full-length Bonehead Weekly podcast wherever you do find podcasts from. Please give their show a like and a follow because, you know, contrary to popular belief, we do like what they do. And a, and a listen. And a listen. Give like, a... Not just a like and a follow. Maybe maybe check out the show. <laughs> if you haven't got time, just give if them you, a like. If you don't have three, if you've got to spare three hours... <laughs> We genuinely do like what they do, so please do support them. Uh, real quick, Ben, a couple of movie deaths for you here. I'm gonna I'm gonna tie some together thematically. Catherine uh, Corcoran in Terrifier and um, Evan Jonakay from uh, Bone Tomahawk. Both of them had their characters completely ripped in half on camera, from privates to head. I'm talking like fully just stretched apart. Their torso you, separate. You couldn't do it the other way around. You couldn't do it from head to torso because how do you tear a head in half? It's much easier to start need, from the natural break. Yeah, you need the axe. Yeah. You know, it's like a wishbone when it's the right way. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and horrific deaths. Like the one in Terrifier is just nasty. But the Bone Tomahawk one, like that, first they scalp him, then they spike his scalp down his throat, and then they tear him in half. It's like it's the, it's the uh, Native American version of the <laughs> cutting off the penis and then shoving it in their mouth before you kill them just to really add insult to industry. It's an injury to industry. I can talk. (laughs) I'm good with birds. Have you got a couple more to get in there before we throw to the... Uh, I do like the... and I'm curious to see if you think... Like, like the opening opening ice pick kill in Basic Instinct. Yeah, yeah. Like, is that... Like, and spoiler alert, if you've never <laughs> seen Basic Instinct, then I'm, I'm sorry, but... It's only been 30 it, years. Is it Sharon Stone, who they actually... who It's supposed to be Jeannie Triplehorn, mm. but who is the actual actress? Is it a body double? Is it Sharon Stone? Is it Jeannie Triplehorn? I'm curious. I don't know. I don't know. What colour were the pubic hairs? <laughs> you, don't really, you don't see them. 
You just see the you see, just see the boobies. I thought that's and all the of, wig, and it could be it yeah. could be anyone. I don't know. To answer it's your a, question and without joking, I don't you know. know. If you do know, just email giveaways at <laughs> fake ship. Dot, yeah. Oh, now the inbox is really going to be <laughs> crammed. <laughs> Another uh, all-time favorite uh, movie death of mine, and I'm sure this is of yours as well, is the frisbee decapitation <laughs> scene. From Hard Ticket to Hawaii. My goodness. And it is a great scene because just before, I mean, like it is literally just a guy getting his head cut off with a <laughs> with a frisbee that they've just stuck razor blades around the yeah, edge yeah. of. Like there's no way this thing could really cut someone's head off, but it works really it well. It would just but stick. <laughs> In reality, it would just stick into the neck. There. You'd be like, oh, that's a bit awkward. But uh, just, li- pr- just preceding that death, uh, Ron Moss... Who is, who is, he comes up to the guy who's like guarding this entrance to a, like a drug kingpin's lair. Yeah. And he comes up there with a girl called Carol in a bikini. And the guy's, the guy with the machine gun is like, uh, uh, what does he say? Who's that turkey with you, Colleen? She's like, and she's like, he's just a thrower. Like frisbee throwing is like a professional sport. And like, they, they take it really seriously. And then, like, just as just before Ron Moss is about to kill her, he's like, he tells Colleen to get lost. And then as she's walking away, he's like, hey, Colleen. And she stops and per- turns around, like, in, a, in a, a perfect Instagram pose where she's managed to get both her face and her uh, ass in the same <laughs> shot. And uh, she, Ron Moss is like, hey, Colleen, you've got a great ass. <laughs> and then Colleen replies, uh, you too, Pilgrim. It is one of the most amazingly <laughs> scripted, corny, like just totally awesome Andy Sedaris uh, scenes. Oh, mate, missed opportunity there because when that movie was made, I bet frisbee golf wasn't a thing. Yeah, I imagine, mean, I think it's <laughs> imagine if you could make a frisbee golf massacre movie or something. It's just like a, well, you've given some of the could idea have landed there. in the basket, and they could have scored a point. Like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think yes. uh, I think you've uh, like it could be like a new Running Man. Yeah. Like if they're going to remake Running Man, which they kind of did with the Turkey Shoot remake, but, or, or uh, Gamer, or yeah, Gamer, um, you could totally do that. Like I think you've just given someone a million dollar idea. Yeah, I need to quickly get yeah, on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just quickly send yourself an email, uh, copyright it. <laughs> <laughs> do I know anyone that's a horror producer, Mister yeah. Reddick? <laughs> <laughs> Got one coming at you. Uh, hey, let's um, let's see what Adam's going to review this week. Uh, it's. Uh, whether it's going to be five stars or just one of his not mention the stars at the end thing. Have you noticed he does that? They're all five stars. He's, he has stated, like, why would he review a film that's not a five star on, on Adam's five star reviews? <laughs> that's a good point. Hey guys, it's Adam here from Adam's Just Seen with another good movie Monday recommendation. This week, my pick is Cinderella Man. Now, you might be rolling your eyes, you might be scoffing. You might have even seen this upon release and dismissed it. Go back and check it out. I believe that pound for pound, The Cinderella Man is the best boxing movie that has ever been made. Now, that's going to be absolute heresy to a lot of people because of Raging Bull. Now, I worship at the altar of Martin Scorsese, but as a character study, I think that that movie is borderline unparalleled. But if you want to be put in the ring and if you want to be hurt, Ron Howard is doing things here as a director that I have never seen. The boxing scenes here are absolutely brutal um i think that you know the boxing scenes in ryan coogler's creed are incredible as well but this even surpasses that this is the story of james j braddock a boxer that had an opportunity 
got injured, was down on his luck, and then got another shot at the title. Now, if that sounds formulaic to you, it is. And, you know, with Thomas Newman's score, and, you know, with Howard's directing, it, this is definitely that kind of, like, you know, Oscar-bait drama film, but done to perfection. There is something soaring about this that I just cannot get away from. Every time I put it on, I just get so swept up in it. I think the craft is impeccable. It's not a very well-kept secret that Crow is my favorite actor. And I think that when Crow is on, that he is borderline unparalleled in cinematic history in making you believe what his character is going through. And he here channels something in Braddock that is just mind-blowing. I remember that when this was released that Roger Ebert said that one of the hardest things that an actor can do is just play a genuinely good person because there's no shading. What do you do with that? And he said here that Crow is obviously one of the greatest actors to live because of what he gives us here in this movie. Paul Giamatti offers mind-blowing support in his corner and basically revs you up every single time that he steps into the ring. So if you haven't seen this or you did see it and you dismissed it, honestly, revisit it. I have seen this movie straight up 20 times. I cannot get enough of it. And I just think that it is a gorgeous movie with incredible craft and just does what all the best movies does. It makes you feel. So five stars from me. Check it out ASAP. <laughs> that guy, he, he just has a way with words, Ben. Like, catch him, catch him every week on Triple M and Ticket TV. But like, remember that you heard him here first, folks. But he always has a way of with words. He's very articulated. That yeah, because I'm, I'm sure that the way it's working is that uh, people are listening to this show and then finding Adam Ross on other things, not finding Adam Ross on Triple M and then going, what else is this guy doing? And finding us. Mate, we discovered him. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we discovered him. <laughs> uh, we need to get a contract in place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we need uh, like like life life rights. Yeah, that's right. So if they're ever going to make a biopic, we get a chunk of the change. I want to talk about some bloated deaths here, Ben. Uh, live and let Ooh. die, Dr. Karanga. So... <laughs> Do you remember that scene where he swallows the gas pill, blows up like a balloon, yep. shoots to the roof and, and pops? <laughs> <laughs> Something similar happened to Terry Jones in uh, Meaning of Life, the big fat bastard that eats all the food. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. Just, just, a little, just a little bit. <laughs> Doesn't he still like, piss off? <laughs> yeah. Just one more. Piss off. Yeah. And then he explodes. I actually, my favourite death from that movie is the, uh, the death by the sex death. Where he gets chased by the hundred naked women. <laughs> he runs right. off a cliff. That's yes. wrong with you. That's what's wrong with you, Americans. You've got no balls. <laughs> and uh, what about Thunder Goes Boom from Big Trouble in Little China? Yes. There's a great one. How odd. <laughs> it's such a weird... And he does it, he does it previously in the film and he doesn't die. Like yeah. He starts blowing up and just pops mm -hmm. all his clothes off. And then <laughs> when poor... Uh, when poor Davy Lopan gets uh, the knife in the head, and the the other he, one, uh, the other one that came to my mind as far as bloated sort of deaths was Ronnie Cox in Total Recall. His bloody eyes yeah. bulge out of his head because <laughs> he gets he he uh, gets uh, exposed to the Martian atmosphere. <laughs> That's right. It's great, but uh, I mean, every, everyone's death in that film is pretty good. Like, yeah. uh, what's his name? Um, uh, geez, the guy from Scanners. Why can't I think of his name? Oh, Michael Ironside. Michael Ironside yeah. gets his arms chopped off by the lift yep. and stuff. And uh, the taxi driver who doesn't actually have the three kids. Yeah, that's right. He's like, uh, Is that Glenn Plummer? Is that Glenn Plummer? No. 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 It's, it's, one of the, <laughs> it's one of the few films 
where Glenn Plummer wasn't the uh, <laughs> the uh, the you know fourth build uh, yes lead. Because no, I was thinking of Johnny Cab Driver. Who's the taxi driver? Doesn't matter. Yeah, <laughs> oh, there is a yeah, there is a Johnny Cab. Yeah, played taxi by driver. what's his name from Inner Space and and Star Trek. Um, Martin Short. No. <laughs> <laughs> Robert Picardo. Yes. Yeah. The cowboy. The cowboy. <laughs> I never take my boots off. <laughs> Have you got any more written down? Uh, I've got some. I'll run through these ones pretty quickly. The, right. the little kid. Uh, death in Vigilante, where he gets—you don't really see it—but he gets kind of shot through the shower curtain, and you see his back fly out the window. Mate, before you go on, can I just rattle off a few to keep the theme there, and then oh, okay. you can finish? No, just right. because I've got some kid ones down. Oh, okay, right? yeah. So you've got the toddler in Dark Age that gets completely snapped <laughs> by the crocodile. Brutal, yeah. absolutely brutal. Um, you see the kid's body fold in half. Huh. Yeah, it's very—it's um, a very entertaining. You've got Cage day. from Pet Cemetery. Hope I haven't stolen your thunder on that one. No. And of course, like spoiler alert, the daughter from Hereditary. What a gr- what a great scene! And then Kim Richards in um, Assault on Precinct Thirteen. Oh my she god! She just wants a vanilla swirl, <laughs> and there's no swirl. <laughs> hey, this doesn't have a vanilla swirl. Anyway, it's a great I, scene. I digress. Go ahead. Uh, well, look, I mean, there's a couple. I think you uh, even may have used this on the show banner. There's uh, Michael Ironside's head exploding in scan, and he's not. He, he makes the other guy's yeah. head explode in scanners. Which is uh, pretty amazing. There's the uh, I mentioned this uh, last uh, I think it was last week or a couple or two weeks ago. But when uh, Jack Carter throws Phil Brumby <laughs> off the top of a uh, multi-story car park and he smashes into the car and there's like a little kid standing nearby and it's like you know a super realistic kind of uh, uh, death. One of my all-time favorite movie deaths in Deadly Friend, where uh, Kirsty's Christy, Kirsty Swanson throws the basketball at Anne Ramsey's head and it just explodes. <laughs> it's uh, amazing. Uh, Windows death in uh, in the thing. Yep. When uh, <laughs> he just he, he freezes uh, when they uh, do the blood test thing. That's a that's a a, a pretty kind of awesome. Uh, uh, death. I'm trying to think if I've got any more written down. I think we've already talked no, about David well, Lopan and that, uh, that's that pretty much that wraps it up. Pretty on much. Steven Seagal's completely shock death in it, executive it's decision. decision. Like, like what? Twenty minutes into the twenty film? minutes into it, like totally. You're like, this isn't a Steven Seagal film. It's a Kurt Russell film. Well, they've built this it is on amazing. the poster. Yeah, like that was genius. And like my actually my favorite all time uh, filmed death is actually from a TV show. It's not from a movie. But it's in the TV show Las Vegas with James Caan. Jean-Claude Van Damme guest stars as himself. And they're shooting a movie in the casino and he's supposed to do this motorcycle stunt off the top of the building. And through the whole kind of lead up or first half of the episode, it's all going to be a stuntman doing it. And then last minute... Van Damme goes, no, I'm going to do the stunt. <laughs> and he jumps off the building. And of course he dies. Like there's a, yep. yeah, and that's the kind of, and the whole rest of the episode, people are mourning the death of Van Damme. <laughs> and you're like, this is like an amazing bit of meta TV. Like yeah. it's so awesome. That is very, very cool. Well, dude, no, that brings us to the end of the show. That was really fun. That was a good, yeah, it, was a, it was a good show. Unless there's anything you want to add. Uh, giveaways at fakeshim.net <laughs> well uh, we do have speaking of two particular shout outs this week because without either of them we wouldn't have amazing content for you so Craig from Eagle Entertainment who helped us connect with Jeffrey Reddick um, and, and that awesome chat thank you to him he's from eagleentertainment.com.au go to their website check out what they've got releasing including Don't Look Back 
And same goes to Leon from Xfilm. Visit xfilm.bigcartel.com and uh, buy yourself a copy of The Killing of America if you don't win it on our show. Uh, thanks to Leon uh, for not only taking time to chat with you, man, but um, also just for being generous in providing, you know, comp. A giveaway. And, like, that, that Blu-ray does come with the awesome enamel pin, the 84-page booklet. Uh, it's it's pretty amazing. Like it doesn't come with a VHS or a beta tape. If you want one of those, you got to you got to jump on that big cartel yeah, website absolutely. and pick them up there. So yes, don't forget to keep your eyes on our social media pages this week for more fun stuff. We've uh, got a video from uh, Je- my interview with Jeffrey Reddick is actually going up in video form, and then uh, on Thursday night he sits down for a rapid fire chat with me, which is heaps of fun and completely exclusive. So, um, as always, couldn't do it without the help of our friends. So, um, show some love again to Jarrett, Gamo, Adam, Joe, Chad, James. Find them on their social media pages. Monsterfest, Green Realm, Adam's Justine, and Bonehead Weekly. And much love to Tia, who's been helping us behind the scenes with our social media stuff. Hope you've been taking note of that. It's a lot of fun content. Thanks, Ben. Thank you. And I will just uh, level a quick shout-out. Jump onto the Monsterfest uh, social media pages or the Coming Home in the Dark uh, social media pages and check out the trailer and poster of that film which is coming out uh, in New Zealand in August and Australia just a bit after that uh, check those things out They're totally awesome best film you'll see this year awesome and uh, thank you to listening so please do us a favour by liking sharing commenting on our show don't forget to click that bell on our social media pages that is a wrap Ben anything before I build up to the song no no alright <laughs> let's cue the final song this one is Drain the Blood by The Distillers and why this one, Ben? <laughs> uh, it's just uh, just because it has a line. All my friends are murderers. Uh, like it doesn't. It's not. It doesn't appear in a film or anything. It's just. I just like the song. I just like the song. Yes. Consider this a casting couch for the song. Yeah. <laughs> Play it in your films. The the lead singer of the Distillers is actually an Aussie. All right. Excellent. I mean, she moved to America when she was eighteen, but still, you know, it's enough. Nicole Kidman came over here when she was five. We claim her as ours. Sam Neill was born in New Zealand. Claim him. Claim him as ours. Mel Gibson, born in America, claim him, claim him as ours, unless he says something racist, and then we kind of quickly... <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know about that, Mel Gibson. <laughs> that American Mel Gibson. <laughs> I'm living on steady faith Kind of likes to restrict your breath Never been a better time than this Stop forgetting how we thought of bliss in a city This wasn't so much a You see me rise above and take its place No heart wants until it dies Drain the blood, no heart is wise All my friends are murdered Hey, all my bones are marrows in All these things want to teenage rage All my friends are
so here we go. All my friends are running.